Hi, I'm Nicole, and welcome to my podcast, Cold Chills in Colorado. Every other week, we'll explore mysteries, myths, and murder, both old and new. So join me in the Mile High City, where the Wild West is far from dead. Have you heard of the grave of Doc Holliday? I didn't think you had it in you. I'm your huckleberry. Episode 3 The Myth of Doc Holliday. John Henry Holliday was born to Henry and Alice Jane on August 14, 1851, in Griffin, Georgia. His father was a successful major in the Mexican-American and Civil War, but later retired and became mayor of Valdosta, Georgia, in 1866. Shortly after the move to Valdosta, John lost his mother, Alice, to consumption, which is now known as tuberculosis, on September 16, 1866. At only 15, John Henry was deeply affected by her death. The two of them were very close. To further complicate things, his father remarried just three months later to a woman only a few years older than John Henry himself. In 1870, John Henry left home and enrolled in dental school at the Pennsylvania College of Dental Surgery. In 1872, he graduated with his Doctor of Dental Surgery degree among a graduating class of 26 men. Shortly after, he was also diagnosed with tuberculosis, like his mother, and doctors gave him a short time to live. They recommended the dry and warmer climate of the West, and soon John Henry was on his way. His first stop was Dallas, Texas in early 1873, known as the last civilized city before the frontier. John Henry opened a shop with another local dentist and won several awards at the annual fair of the North Texas Agricultural, Mechanical, and Bloodstock Association for his outstanding dental work. But after numerous coughing spells and increased illness, the business declined and the two quickly parted ways. It was during his time in Dallas that John Henry found a new passion, gambling. A gambler in the West had to know how to handle his own. John Henry soon developed a reputation for a man that could handle his weapons, cards, and liquor. He encouraged the wild stories surrounding him to build his reputation. He did it for protection, as his thin, ailing frame could never stand in a fight with the rough-and-tumble saloon crowds. In 1874, he was indicted for illegal gambling in Fort Griffin, Texas, and arrested in 1875 in Dallas 
after a shootout with a local saloon keeper. Both men had produced six shooters and fired wildly, but no one was hit or injured. He was found not guilty. He left Dallas for Jacksboro, Texas the same year, and soon stories that he had killed one gambler, wounded two, and a sixth cavalryman dead earned him the nickname the Deadly Dentist. rendezvous in Colorado occurred in the winter of 1876 under the assumed name of Tom Mackey. He settled in Denver and began to deal faro, a popular card game, at John A. Rabb's Theater Comique at 357 Blake Street. The story goes that John Henry got into an argument with another gambler, Bud Ryan, and both drew their knives, but Holiday got the upper hand. He left Denver and headed to the Wyoming Territory soon after when he heard about gold being discovered in the area. Legend states he then killed three men before leaving Wyoming to head back to Texas. In July 1877, Holiday got into an altercation in Dallas with another gambler, Henry Kahn, and both were arrested and fined. Holiday moved back to Fort Griffin, Texas and began to deal cards at John Chancey's saloon the Beehive. During this time, he also met Mary Catherine Harmony, or better known as Big Nose Kate, a local dance hall woman and occasional prostitute. Big Nose Kate became the only woman that Holiday had ever had a relationship with. Holiday's life was also changed in Fort Griffin when he first crossed paths with the infamous Wyatt Earp. That October, Wyatt Earp was in town looking for the outlaw Dirty Dave Rudabaugh, who was accused of robbing a Santa Fe Railroad construction camp in Kansas. Rudabaugh was suspected to have fled south into Texas. Earp had temporary commission as a U.S. Deputy Marshal to arrest Rudabaugh and had followed him the 400 miles to Fort Griffin. He walked into the Beehive Saloon and questioned Holiday. Holiday gave him useful information and the two went their separate ways, but that brief meeting would be the spark of a greater friendship to come. Soon after the Texas encounter with Earp, Holiday was supposedly arrested for killing fellow gambler Ed Bailey after Holiday accused him of cheating and a disagreement ensued. However, the truth is not as exciting as it seems. Holiday was actually arrested for just illegal gambling. While in jail, which was actually a hotel room, as no jail existed at the time, a mob gathered outside, demanding the lynching of Holiday. Big Nose Kate set a nearby barn on fire as a distraction and helped John Henry escape. In 1878, the two arrived in Dodge City, Kansas. During his time in Dodge City, he briefly opened a dental shop, and also saved the life of Wyatt Earp. The story goes that Earp had come looking for two cowboys, Ed Morrison and Toby Driscoll, and their group of men that were accused of shooting up Front Street in Dodge. Following them into the Long Branch Saloon, Earp walked straight into a large number of pistols pointed right at him. Holiday, playing cards in the back, sprang up with a six-shooter in each hand. 
Earp was able to pistol whip Morrison and regain control of the situation. From that day forward, a friendship was cemented and Earp would repeatedly claim that Holiday saved his life that day. During this time, John Henry earned the nickname Doc, even though he would never practice dentistry again. More fantastic stories of Doc followed, of shootouts and killings, but none were ever reported in newspapers as fact. Doc was on the move again in 1879, this time to Las Vegas, New Mexico territory with Big Nose Kate. The area was known for its healing waters and hot springs. Doc continued his lucrative career in gambling, but was soon fined $25 for keeping an illegal gaming table. He returned to Dodge City and joined a team that was asked to help prevent guerrilla warfare attacks between the Santa Fe and the Denver-Rio Grande Railroad. Both companies were trying to claim rights over the Royal Gorge to the boomtown of Leadville in Colorado. A deal was made by the federal government in the Treaty of Boston, and Doc took his share of a bribe paid by DNRG Railroad. He returned to Las Vegas and built the Doc Holiday Saloon on Center Street. He was fined twice during this time for keeping an illegal gambling device and for carrying a deadly weapon. When Wyatt Earp passed through Las Vegas that October, he told Doc how they were headed to Tombstone, Arizona for a silver boom. Doc and Kate decided to head to Tombstone as well, but first made a stop in Prescott, Arizona. Doc made a killing at the poker tables in Prescott and remained there until late 1880 when he finally arrived with Kate in Tombstone. Around the time Doc arrived, Tombstone had a population of about 7,000 and was the new seat of Cochise County, but it still had a reputation for being rough and lawless. Joining up with his friends, the Earps, Holiday became embroiled in local politics very quickly. The cowboy faction in Tombstone resented the presence of the law in the form of the Earps and Holiday. This rough group was made up of Newton Hayes, the old man Clanton, his sons Finn, Ike, and Billy Clanton, the McLory brothers, Frank and Tom, Curly Bill Brocious, and Johnny Ringo, among others. Holiday was involved in another argument with gambler Johnny Taylor at the Oriental Saloon soon after his arrival. Taylor turned and ran, but the argument continued between Holiday and saloon owner Milt Joyce, who did not like Holiday or the Earps. Joyce threw Doc out, but Doc soon returned, a revolver in each hand, and unloaded into the saloon. Holiday did not kill anyone, but was arrested on the charge of assault. On his court date, no witnesses appeared. Doc pleaded guilty to assault and battery, paid a fine of $20, and other charges were dismissed. Around this time, Big Nose Kate and Doc began to have major relationship issues. Their heavy days of whiskey drinking did not help. After having enough of Kate embarrassing him and their drunken arguing, on one bender, Doc kicked Kate out of their place. This infuriated Kate, who went to drown her sorrows at the Oriental Saloon. 
Meanwhile, across town, word was spreading of a masked stage robbery that had killed two men, Bud Philpott and Peter Rorig. Sheriff Johnny Behan and Milt Joyce conspired and accused Doc of being involved. They persuaded Kate, in her drunken stupor, to sign an affidavit stating that Doc was the culprit. Judge Wells Spicer issued a warrant for the arrest of Holiday in March of 1881 as rumors flew that Doc was responsible for the murder of the two men. The Earp brothers found witnesses that placed Doc elsewhere at the time of the murders. Kate sobered up and realized what she had done and told the judge that the men had influenced her to sign a document that she did not understand. Spicer freed Holiday and threw out the charges. Holiday was angry with Kate and gave her money and sent her out of town. In August, near Tombstone in nearby Guadalupe Canyon, Old Man Clanton was driving a cattle herd to town and spent the night in the canyon with several wanted men, including Jim Crane, who was wanted for robbery. On the morning of August 13th, the Clanton party was attacked by riflemen believed to be Mexican cowboys. Most of the group was killed, including Crane and Old Man Clanton. Several historic records show that Marshal Crawley Drake requested a federal posse to help with conflicts during this time. Virgil Earp was both a U.S. Marshal and Police Chief of Tombstone, and it is likely that Wyatt Earp was chosen as the leader of the federal posse. Fearing trouble, Virgil sought backup from his brothers Warren and Morgan. The men were assumed to have headed to Guadalupe Canyon on the night of the Clanton attack. Of the federal posse, both Holiday and Warren Earp were injured and did not return to Tombstone until they recovered. This attack further increased the tension in Tombstone. It was thick between the lawmen and the cowboy faction and left the town divided. The cowboys threatened to kill the Earps and Holiday if they didn't leave town. The Clanton and McLory brothers were known around town as cattle rustlers and outlaws and also rivals of the Earps and Holiday. The final conflict between Doc and Ike Clanton would cause tensions to explode and lead to one of the most famous Western shootouts in history. On October 25th, Doc and Ike Clanton were drinking heavily in the saloon and began to argue. Doc challenged Ike to a shootout, but Ike claimed he was unarmed. Doc began to taunt him and told him to get healed. Doc spouted that Ike was just like his old man with his big mouth and that Ike should soon meet the same fate as his father when Doc pulled the trigger on him too. Clanton, in shock at the revelation, left the saloon and returned to his room at the Grand Hotel. Doc also eventually stumbled to bed at his residence in C.S. Fly's 12-room boarding house. The next day, on October 26, 1881, Ike Clanton came looking for Doc at the boarding house, but Doc had already started his morning at the local saloon. Word leaked to the Earp brothers that a group of cowboys were gathering in a wagon lot and wearing guns in violation of Tombstone Law. 
Holiday met up with the Earps, Virgil, Morgan, and Wyatt, near Hefford's Saloon, near the corner of Allen and 4th Streets. Virgil quickly and temporarily deputized Holiday. Five men, Ike and Billy Clanton, Frank and Tom McLaurie, and Billy Claiborne, laid in wait just down on Fremont Street. The Earps and Holidays confronted the five cowboys in a 15 by 20 wide lot between Fly's boarding house and the Harwood house. Billy Claiborne ran, and suddenly, an explosion of gunfire erupted on both sides for nearly 30 seconds. When the dust settled, both of the McLory brothers were dead, as was Billy Clanton, while Ike had fled. Virgil and Morgan were both wounded, and Doc was grazed by a bullet. After the shooting, Clanton accused Wyatt and Doc of firing at unarmed men as murder. Sheriff Behan arrested the Earp brothers and Doc. After a 30-day hearing in November in Judge Spicer's court, he found that the Earps and Holiday had acted within their duties as lawmen, even though two of the men were unarmed, much to the dissatisfaction of Ike Clanton. In Tombstone, the law allowed for policemen to fire at armed opponents threatening to kill. The ruling stated that the act was necessary in the discharge of official duty and the defendants were fully justified committing the homicides. The confrontation would famously become known as the gunfight at the OK Corral after a 1957 movie incorrectly placed the location there. The actual fight occurred six doors west of the rear entrance to the corral on Fremont Street between Fly's boarding house and the Harwood house. Clanton was outraged at the ruling and wanted revenge on the Earps, so retaliation from the Cowboys was expected. On December 28, 1881, Virgil was ambushed by three men at midnight on his way to the Crystal Palace from the Oriental Saloon. Two of the five shots struck him and left him crippled for the rest of his life. Virgil identified the men as Ike Clanton, Johnny Ringo, and Frank Stilwell, among others. In January of 1882, Johnny Ringo confronted Doc, but the two were stopped from an ensuing gunfight by Town Marshal James Flynn and Wyatt Earp, who was appointed Deputy Marshal after Virgil was injured. On March 18, 1882, assassins struck again, killing Morgan Earp while he played pool at Hatch's Saloon on Allen Street. A single shot from a dark back alley struck him in the back, killing him. A coroner ruled that Morgan had been killed by Johnny Ringo, Frank Stilwell, Pete Spencer, and a few other men. Consumed with revenge and hatred, Wyatt, in turn, then deputized Doc, his brother Warren, and two other men, and began his vendetta ride for his brothers. On March 20th, Morgan's body was sent back by train to the Earp family in California, with Virgil and his wife accompanying. Wyatt and his deputies, including Doc, guarded his family all the way to Tucson. Spotting Frank Stilwell hiding in some train cars in Tucson, 
Wyatt chased him down the tracks at the train station and shot him several times. Doc shot him once more for good measure. The coroner named Earp and Holliday as two of the men guilty for killing Stilwell. The Earp posse left town and on the 22nd received word that Pete Spencer, one of the men accused of murdering Morgan, was in a camp just down South Pass in the Dragoon Mountains. They did not find Spencer, but they did find another suspected man, Florentino Cruz. When Cruz turned to flee, the posse shot him dead. Two days later, they came upon the camp of Curly Bill Brocious, who was suspected in the attack on Virgil near Iron Springs in the Whetstone Mountains with eight of his men. Wyatt snuck down the canyon and surprised Curly Bill with a double-barreled shotgun blast to the chest. The rest of the posse opened fire on the cowboys. The cowboys fired back, but no shot hit any of Earp's men. Only one of the horses on Wyatt's posse was killed. The posse quickly retreated and decided to leave the Arizona Territory to head towards New Mexico and back to Colorado. It is said in Albuquerque, Wyatt and Doc had a falling out and parted ways, with Doc heading to Denver and the Earps to Gunnison. In May of 1882, Holiday was arrested on a warrant charge for the murder of Frank Stilwell in Tucson. When Wyatt heard the charges, he feared Doc would not get a fair trial in Arizona and intervened to ask Bat Masterson, the chief of police in Trinidad, Colorado, for help. Holiday's extradition was set for May 30, 1882. Masterson drew up a fake warrant and submitted the document to Colorado Governor Frederick Wallace Pitkin on May 29th. He also contacted local Capitol reporter E.D. Cowan to make a case for Holiday. Pitkin was persuaded by Masterson and denied the extradition of Holiday to Arizona. Masterson took Doc to Pueblo, Colorado, where he was released on bond. On July 14th, near the Arizona Territory, Johnny Ringo's body was found filled with bullets and wedged in the limbs of some oak trees near a sawmill. Rumor has it that Earp and Holiday traveled with friends in July and were spotted near Henry Hooker's ranch. They took the trail to Gailyville and spotted Ringo near Turkey Creek. When he ran, Wyatt shot him. Bat Masterson, Warren Earp, and some newspaper friends help establish alibis that Earp and Holiday had never left Colorado. Doc's exact whereabouts at the time of Ringo's death are unknown. The Pueblo Daily reported he had been seen in Salida on July 7th. Court records show that he may not have appeared to court on July 11th in Pueblo but was seen on July 14th. He then arrived in Leadville, Colorado on July 18th. Johnny Ringo's death was ruled as self-inflicted by the coroner. Once in Leadville, Doc suffered from high altitude sickness. 
he began to depend more on whiskey and laudanum, an opium tincture, to ease his consumption symptoms. His skills as a gambler began to deteriorate. His last confrontation took place in Hyman's Saloon in Leadville. Doc was down to his last dollar. He had pawned his jewelry and asked Billy Allen, a bartender and special officer of the Monarch Saloon, to borrow $5. Allen later demanded to be repaid, which Doc could not comply. Doc knew Allen was armed, and when Allen appeared ready to attack, Doc shot him in the arm and claimed self-defense. Doc was arrested and put on trial. A witness also testified that Allen had been in Hyman's earlier in the day looking for Doc. On March 28, 1885, Holiday was acquitted. In late winter of 1886, Doc saw his old friend Wyatt for the last time. They briefly met in the lobby of the Windsor Hotel. Doc was described as having a continuous cough and unsteady legs upon a skeletal frame. With Doc's health failing, in late May 1887, he retreated to Glenwood Springs, Colorado to try the sulfur vapors and hoped to be healed by the Yampa Hot Springs. It was said he wired a message to Kate to join him in Glenwood Springs. The trip from Leadville was hard on Doc, and the jolting from the narrow-gauge railroad would cause him to spit up blood and pieces of lung. The stage finally arrived in town around 2 p.m., and Doc headed to the Hotel Glenwood. Built in 1884, the hotel began as a two-story wooden structure and was quickly built into an ornate three-story centerpiece with 75 rooms. When Doc was a guest, the lobby had fine Victorian trimmings and elaborate Persian carpets. It stood at the current intersection of 8th and Grand Street. Unfortunately, in December of 1945, the Hotel Glenwood was completely destroyed by fire. For Doc, the stay at the hotel did not improve his health. There were days when his memory was clear and his eyes bright, while others were spent behind a blank and vacant stare. By October, he had pneumonia. With his health worsening, he spent his last 54 days bedridden. He was delirious for 14 of them. On the morning of November 8th, 1887, a light snow had begun to fall. According to a witness, Doc sat up, clear-eyed, and asked Kate for a glass of whiskey. He turned the tumbler up in a great fashion and downed the drink. He looked at his bootless feet and said, This is funny. At 9.55 a.m., his eyes stood still and his body relaxed. John Henry, Doc Holliday, the famous dentist, was gone at the age of 36. According to the Aspen Times, Doc was buried the same day, with Reverend W.S. Randolph officiating at about 4 p.m. 
many townspeople followed his casket to Linwood Cemetery. Kate made arrangements to ship Doc's possessions back to Georgia and left Glenwood Springs the following day. Doc is believed to be buried in the cemetery near the graves of Arthur Seller and Jasper Ward, but the records and details themselves have been lost to time. The 0.7-mile hike leads you to the grave marker memorial that states it is dedicated to Doc, who is buried somewhere in the cemetery itself. In his death, the stories surrounding Doc Holliday are larger than life. His stories of whiskey, gunslinging, and gambling have made him a Wild West legend. Holliday himself reported that he had been arrested 17 times, four attempts were made to hang him, and that he had survived ambush five times. He is known to have killed Mike Gordon in 1879, believed to have killed the McLaurie brothers at the OK Corral, and possibly Frank Stilwell in Tucson. Only two verified photographs are known to exist, his graduation picture from dental school when he was 20 years old, and a full standing cabinet card from Prescott, Arizona in 1879. In 1896, a few years after Doc's death, Wyatt Earp was quoted as saying, I found him a good friend and loyal company. He was a dentist whom necessity made a gambler, a gentleman whom disease had made a vagabond, a philosopher who made caustic wit, a long, lean blonde fellow nearly dead with consumption, and at the same time, the most skillful gambler and the nerviest, speediest, deadliest man with a six-gun I ever knew. So the next time you are in Glenwood Springs, stop by the Doc Holiday Museum, located on 8th and Grand Street, and the former location of the Hotel Glenwood. Here you can see the original beam and stone walls that survived the 1945 fire. His alleged pocket watch and derringer are also on display. From there, head to the Frontier Museum, also dedicated to telling the life and lore of Doc Holliday. After a quick, less than a mile hike up to Linwood Cemetery to see Doc's memorial and final resting place, relax at the Glenwood Hot Springs Hotel home of the world's largest mineral hot springs pool. Take a soak in the healing waters where the source, the Yampa Spring, produces over 3.5 million gallons of water each day at a boiling temp of 122 degrees. Or head to the Yampa Spa and Vapor Caves, originally used by the Utes for both healing and rituals, where Doc himself may have sat, to treat yourself to a mineral-rich, therapeutic steam that seeps naturally into three subterranean chambers. In the evening, finish with dinner at the Italian Underground. The restaurant has been in the basement level for 30 years in the old Silver Club building. While no longer housing questionable characters, the building will still give you that historic feel from 1895 when it was first established as a saloon, a gambling hall, and a brothel.
following are references to the story. Doc Holliday's Last Days, the Origin Charles Smith Memoir, published November 1st, 2001, by Karen Holliday Tanner and Clifton Brewer. Wikipedia.com and visit glenwoodsprings.com. TrueWestMagazine.com, Doc Holliday's Last Days, and Doc Holliday by Ben Trawick on thehistory.net, where it first appeared in the October 1997 issue of Wild West Magazine. Join us next time, where we'll head to Frederick, Colorado, to explore the Watts family murders. Thanks for listening.